the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Glad to be with you on another Monday edition of Lifeline, the time 505 on this January 28th. 2019, rather cool day today. That's all right. We've got a lot going on in our world. I hope that you are well. I hope that you are rested. I hope that you are available for conversation and dialogue today on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Just so glad to be in your space, in your sphere, in your ear, even at this time, the number for conversation. Once we get into the conversation, it's one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it as his covenant people, no matter what is going on in the cacophony of our secular culture, in our politics, in our religion, in our world, we will not be moved. We will sit back and watch what the Lord God Almighty on his throne is doing. We will be informed by his word. We will settle into the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Jesus Christ fulfilled in his church. And uh, we'll do what Habakkuk was taught to do, sit upon his watch and wait and see what the Lord will answer his people. We are certainly living in, in uh, volatile times. We are living in very, very uh, problematic challenging times and uh, times that I think that are going to really require all of us to be a lot more circumspect. Uh, I don't I don't think we're going to be able to get away with um, hiding behind the barracks of our own little communes and homes and things like that. And that's simply because we're already bombarded by multiple avenues and angles of um, agendas and, 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 and plans to disturb our peace and to uh, rid us of our um, worldview. Um, just thinking about what has been happening over the weekend with regards to uh, this new development in New York around <clears throat> uh, uh, abortion and how that uh, New York is setting out a model for many other states uh, and, and reading up on it, recognizing that other states as well have kind of just forged a united front against the potential for Roe v. Wade to be overturned uh, if it should ever happen in the Supreme Court. And just the language that exists within uh, this, uh, this, this, this new policy in New York uh, just speaks volumes to where you and I are um, in the matter of how human beings view human beings, if I were to basically start with um, the the child in the womb um, and argue from the position that the believer should, and, and that is the imago Dei, the image of God in mankind, that upon conception we are dealing with the product of God's divine intention for the creation of a, a human being who bears uh, infinite value, really, in terms of uh, uh, horizontal wealth and worth and, and, and the measures thereby, a human being is significant upon conception. A human being is radically significant upon conception in the eyes of God. In other words, life begins at conception. If life matters, it li- life matters when it starts and life matters when it ends. And the whole spectrum of life Matters. I mean, that would be a logical uh, inference um, or deduction drawn from the premise that if it starts with a value that is designated by God 
and that value has eternal verity behind it, it eternal significance, then it matters how that life uh, lives, functions, how that life works, how that life exists, how that particular life uh, enters into, engages, and develops its own uh, identity and calling and uh uh, and purpose in life. And then it does also matter how, how we die. It just does. So the spectrum of life for you and me uh, is critically important from the point of conception to the point where we expire in terms of existence in this world. And then as some of the more uh, biblically oriented and uh, theistic oriented Scientists would argue argue over against a a secular naturalistic uh, worldview that would fundamentally deny anything that's metaphysical, fundamentally deny anything that uh, that is assumed and asserted and practiced beyond the naturalistic claims uh, that the only thing in this world that exists. Um, is that which we can scientifically affirm, that we can scientifically prove uh, within the realm of chemistry, biology, physics, astronomy, et cetera, that but when we begin to move out of that dimension into a more uh, existentially metaphysical concept of speculation, they would call it uh, postmortem. anywhere after postmortem or outside of the body, that whole realm does not exist except as... um, an imagination in the minds of men. Now, uh, you and I would know that that is a- absolutely absurd uh, to draw such conclusions that there is nothing that exists outside of what we can prove exists biologically or empirically. It would then mean that you and I already have a handle on omniscience. And that is to say, we all we know all that we can know about what we know, because what we know we can perceive and we can see and we can uh, test and we can verify um, through the laws of science. <clears throat> well, we can test and see and verify a lot of things through the laws of science, but the problem is without a moral framework, without an ethically uh, and morally consistent framework by which we value things um, on an imminent level, not on a kind of flimsical, uh, ultimately cultural whimsical level, as we are doing in our culture, even with the scientific evidence, the scientific evidence, if you will, of the conception uh, and therefore life upon conception evidences. We have the evidence that the child upon conception is a real viable human being entity uh, with a life um, that is worthy of, of protecting, honoring, nurturing, developing, and then bringing into this world with all of the powers that we can use so that they can have the greatest chance in the world, uh, barring the uh, consequences of our brokenness and sin that can, that can uh, you know, impede any of the best intentions of all of our institutions to, to produce a healthy child. Barring that, however, our, we have all the scientific evidence to affirm that that life starts at conception, that it doesn't happen at birth. And therefore, in the womb, it ought to be honored and cherished and and recognized as a human being. But you see, when you have a worldview that is so riddled with inconsistencies, incoherent, uh, irrational, illogical concepts and assumptions and and arguments for selfishness, then uh, you can easily you can easily argue for uh, the protection of the purveyor of that child while destroying the child that the life of the mother automatically. Uh, automatically merits more importance than the life of the child. Well, what are you saying? Are you saying that there is no uh, equivalent value from the time of conception to the time of death, that somewhere within that spectrum uh, you can become more valuable uh, as a mature grown person or a young person capable of bearing children uh, in in any case uh, than the child that is conceived in the womb? That seems to me to undermine the whole uh, purpose for affirming the value of human existence, if you will. Um, and basically what I'm saying is this, and maybe this this basic thesis will come through in a moment. That if, in fact, as we are on a trajectory for fundamentally uh, having the hardness of heart and depravity of mind, uh, both individually and collectively as a culture and, and as a nation and, and legislatively having the power to execute the child in the womb, even at the latest stages of uh, 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 of development, 
um, then then we can do it across the board. You can kill the child in the womb. You can kill the child in youth. You can kill the child as an adult. You can kill the child as a mature person. You can kill the old person um, in, uh, in, in, in old age, in fantasy. You can kill them across the board. In other words, if we, can, if we can walk around comfortably understanding what we are doing when we talk about uh, destroying the child in the womb, even when they have reached the third trimester, even when they are fully developed, for the convenience of the mother, as, as some articles have stated, that the doctors have the right to kill the child if there is an emotional turmoil that is being imposed upon the mur- uh, mother simply because of the, uh, the, the presence of the child in the womb. Emotional turmoil? Emotional distress? I- I- emotional uh, uh, trauma? Is grounds to kill the child? Well, yeah. Well, then we're killing old people. We're killing uh, uh, disabled children. We're killing uh, uh, people across the board, across the spectrum. That logic follows. We are therefore then a culture of death, not a culture of life, a culture of death. Doesn't it follow then that if we can do that, if we can engage in that kind of uh, impervious hardness of heart, this kind of intrinsic, radical, desperate a uh, uh, hardness of heart relative to the child in the womb, doesn't it follow that we can uh, deny uh, the significance of our own personhood uh, at the level of multiple uh, gender uh, redesignations on our part, even if they have absolutely no biological, no scientific, no chromosomal, no sociological rationale behind it whatsoever? Of course. And really, the battle is against God. The battle is against God. Why? Because God is the true and the living God. And all life comes from God. I know that that is not the thesis of the secularists or the naturalists, but it is the thesis of the vast majority of the world. Even pagan religions, even pagan people largely recognize a higher power. Christians do, and, and, and those who hold to a personal God do. Whether it is Islam or Catholicism or Christianity, Uh, Or Judaism, Uh, it holds to the fact that mankind has a maker, a creator, and he uh, owes his existence to a intelligent, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, almighty God, intrinsically good God uh, for our existence. That is the battle today. If there is such a being called God and he has created all things, then we are accountable to him for our existence in the world. And yes, on the part of the agnostic and the atheist who would arrogantly stand and debate with God, God is accountable to us. I can accept that premise as a basis of discourse and dialogue. It would make sense to me if God created us in his image with the capacity to reason, to to ration, to think things through, to communicate on um, uh, the level of exchange of propositional ideas with oughts and musts <clears throat> and, and, and values of, of, uh, of, of right and wrong and, 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 and ethical boundaries for the ultimate good of society. Uh, then, yeah, God is accountable to us as parents would be accountable to children. Don't you think so? Uh, Building an argument for dialogue with you. I'm stating this, that uh, if, in fact, we are not uh, accountable to God, then God's not accountable to us. But if, in fact, we are accountable to God, and we are, every man must give an account before God for the things that he has done in this body, whether good or bad then God is also accountable to us. And let's ask the question about the God who is accountable to us, uh, answerable to us as a child would say, Mommy, Daddy, why did you do that? Why do you do that? What is the reason for what you do? The child moves into a position after a few years old of recognizing his right, privilege, and necessity of engaging his parents uh, on a level of accountability. And the parents have to be careful enough to know that you are accountable to your children to give them clear, concise, healthy, age-appropriate answers to their question to continue to develop them into a mature human being that can reason and think and rationale with all of the qualities and predicates that I have aforementioned in terms of ethics and morals and boundaries and right and wrong so that they can live the best life they can as those who are created in the Imago day. This is the way that God has designed it. And so God has given us his word. Has he not? 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God separated the waters from above and from below. And God said, let there be light, and God separated the day from the night. He called the day light, and he called the night darkness. And then God began to move in creation day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And on day six, before he rested, entered into a Sabbath, he created man, the pinnacle of creation. He will always be the pinnacle creation. God has not flattened out the earth. The earth is not flat. God has given mankind to be the pinnacle of creation. It doesn't matter how brilliant and how wonderful all the other lower species are. They are, and they have levels of intelligence that reflect their creator. That is God. We didn't create them. God created them, and they are brilliant for what they do. They have their limitations. And we, as God's pinnacle of creation, are are called upon to engage uh, our world collectively on a horizontal level um, with the uh, mandate that God has given us. But we're also obligated to honor the true and the living God. Look up. God is in the heavens and he does whatsoever he pleases among the children of men. And we are to answer to him. And God is ready to answer to you. He's giving you a big old book called the Bible. He's giving you history where he has intervened from time to time, both in mercy and in judgment. And, and around the sub- subject that basically catapulted my exhortation, uh, the, uh, the, the, the harsh crass, hateful, demonic, uh, um, a dark culture of death that wants to kill the most innocent beings on planet Earth, that is uh, abortion, um, on that level, um, God has an answer for you. Uh, murder will require the death of the murderer. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not cover your neighbor's house, wife, ox, ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not violate God's uh, holy commandments relative to who he is and what he has called you and I to do. To worship the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. We shall not commit idolatry. We shall worship the true and the living God in the rest with which Christ has set us free. That's our Sabbath. We shall honor our mother and our father. We shall not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. For whosoever shall take his name in vain shall be guilty. The wages of sin is death. Ah, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there's a way of escape in the person of Christ. And God has made himself accountable to us to such a high level of degree that he's given us an answer to our problem. But we got to engage God on that. Now, I've got three lines open, one 367 Three lines open, one 367 I'll engage you if what you're talking about makes sense or is uh, worthy of real public discourse. Looking forward to hearing from you on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Going to take a break, pay some bills. You're listening to Jesse Gistan. I will be back shortly. Don't go anywhere. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 525 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to have you with us. You are listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 We'll engage you in anything that is worthy of our lauded audience and, uh, and this uh, imminent program. Um, but I did open up just wanting to chat a little bit with you about the danger of uh, a cognitive dissonance on the part, even of the believer, uh, the body of Christ relative to the issue of, uh, of abortion and the escalating political dangers that are arising, uh, uh, in our country, uh, particularly revealed recently in New York. And, and I understand California holds <clears throat> The exact same uh, precedent with regards to uh, fundamentally almost up to the uh, time of birth that a mother can uh, can withdraw and have her baby killed. And what has to occur, uh, children of God and friends of Christ, if you're listening, is the need to continue fighting for the um, for the innocent. a lot of us work. A lot of us are engaged in many different things in our life. I, I trust that you're engaged in some kind of spiritual battle, for real. I, I trust that um, at the um, 
at the catapulting nature or the uh, the the prov- provocative nature of the gospel that you are engaged in some kind of battle uh, because we got a we got a ton of battles going on. I'll be uh, speaking next month, March eighth and ninth at uh, Valley Bible Church um, in uh, in Hercules. You know our dear pastor uh, Phil Howard. Uh, we're we're hosting a men's conference, and uh, I love my men, as you guys have heard many times before. Uh, and we are in a battle too. I don't want to segue too far. I'm going to go to the phone lines here in a moment. <clears throat> but men are in a battle as well. Uh, from a biblical standpoint, we should be on the front line. Of, uh, of of care, concern, uh, commitment, uh, service, if you will, to every uh, form uh, of attack against the glory of God uh, and the glory of God in man. <clears throat> and so we take our we pick our battles, do we not? I I have not for many many years been engaged in any immediate uh, practical um, issues around abortion have supported them, have supported the ministries that have sought to protect uh, women who really do want to uh, keep the child and, and find a way to nurture and care for the child uh, after conception or give the child up for uh, for adoption, which is a wonderful Christocentric paradigm as well, because we've all been adopted if you're a child of the living God. Uh, and there's a way for the church to continue to engage the culture of death with the uh, gospel of life on many, many different fronts. And we'll be gathering together. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, you guys going to get the blast on this starting well now and then definitely next month where we will be piping out, joining together uh, under the roof of uh, Pastor Dr. Pastor Phil Howard uh, and, and worship with him as a bunch of brothers uh, getting on our knees and getting in the book and learning what it means to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. My assignment is coming out of Nehemiah 4, 6 through 8. And I've got to, a lot to say about the walls. Uh, the Bible does talk about walls. And yeah, I will be picking up from the fundamental controversy that's going on in our culture now uh, about hating on uh, the president because he wants to build a wall. Let me make a couple fundamental gospel principles around that for you, if you don't mind. And then I'll go to the phone lines. Any man, <clears throat> any man or woman professing to be a believer in Christ who talks about a city or a family or a church without walls is unbiblical. I know, I know that offended you because it feels so good to say no walls, let everybody come in. But God never said that. He never said that anywhere in the word of God. If you just went back to the catechismal construct of the old covenant, you would recognize that God intended walls to be built around Jerusalem. In fact, he called himself the wall of Jerusalem, that God meant for cities to be fortified in Israel because the fortification of the city with the walls underscores the fact that you are a distinct people, that you are a peculiar people, that you are precious and that there are a multiple uh, faceted objective on God's part for you, for which you and I need, excuse me, walls. Think about this for a moment. And this is why Nehemiah's rebuilding the wall is going to be such a critical point for us men. Think about this. No walls nowhere in the world. No walls nowhere in the world. You don't even have that in glory. Revelation chapter 21 makes it very clear. And God built for the new Jerusalem, which is a grand uh, picture of the ultimate body of Christ coming down from heaven, having the glory of God being called the bride of Christ. He built a great and high wall. That means the church without walls is an unbiblical concept. Now, think about this. Your church doesn't have the wall of sound biblical doctrine, the wall of the distinction between the church and the world, the distinction between the secular and the sacred, the the distinction between the spiritual and the carnal, the distinction between the holy and the unholy, the distinction between the clean and the unclean. God doesn't have a church without walls. Every true church, every faithful church, every committed church to the to the honor of God is a church with walls. Now, it has doors. Come on in. It has doors. And the door into glory is Christ. You don't just get to go in God's heaven any kind of way because there are no walls. 
There are walls. And the only way in is through the front door. In fact, what Jesus said, if you climb up any other way, you're a thief and a, a robber, you're a liar. So, so, so this idea that our president is really pressing home, you guys, is critically important. You need to back up from a political left-right diatribe or dialectic, which I said is always dangerous, the perilous pendulum swinging from left to right uh, to such an extent that you don't get the bigger picture. You need a wall because there has been, just like in the days of Nehemiah, post uh, the destruction of Israel in 587 B.C., uh, the infiltration of the enemy into the populace of Israel so that Nehemiah has to not only build walls, he has to build gates, rebuild walls, rebuild gates. And then he's got a clean house because just like in the days of Israel, you and I are dealing with the infiltration of all kinds of secular and political and social and, 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 and spiritual infiltration that is utterly destroying our society. Would you agree? We got work to do. And I'm calling the men on out (laughs) to go to work with me to bow before the true and the living God, get the gospel right in us and uh, rebuild the walls of our mind, rebuild the walls of our heart, because our men are suffering from infiltration on a lot of levels as well. Bad doctrine, bad teaching, bad vision, bad pictures, bad images, bad conduct, addiction. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, Every man's battle and many different things like that. So we we need a revival in our nation before this whole thing collapses. And the church of the living God has to be on the right side of the battle. Are you? All right. I'm going to take another break because we got to pay bills. And when I come back, I'll be getting all of you guys on the phone line. Thank you for your patience. Think about that with me now. Think about that. Here you are, a precious father with a family of kids. And your house doesn't have walls. Your kids are not protected. There's no distinction between you and the next family. What is that going to do for their security? For their peace? For their tranquility? For their health? For their prosperity? For their blessing? For their confidence? For their unity? The devil is a liar, isn't he? I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. We will quickly go to the phone lines. On line number with me is Pastor Gary Matara from Faith Fellowship. Y'all know his voice. He comes on about one hour before I do to lead you guys towards a, um, a lunchtime uh, buffet of spiritual food and nourishment for your soul. Gary, how are you doing? What's up, my brother? How are you? I'm well. I'm well, man. What's going on? Well, first of all, I look forward to our next lunch together. I think it's my turn to pray and your turn to pay. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too, man. I, I definitely am. We, I had a great time with you the first time around. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. What's your so thoughts? What you up to? Address that issue that you opened up with about, you know, abortion on demand and editing trimester and killing all the kind of people. I think it's an interesting um, dichotomy, paradox, and hypocrisy for those who are listening and who may not believe the Bible is the Word of God, that it's interesting that if you kill a woman who is pregnant, you're up for a double murder, but then somebody can kill a baby in the womb. So, I mean, that is such a hypocrisy and uh, paradox. Um, It's a tough one for people to swallow, really, in the Christian belief. So think about that one. Of course, you know, that would be the argument for a lot of our pastor brethren who are out on the front line as well as, uh, you know, the sisters that are taking up that particular task and calling, uh, which is a noble work. I I don't think that there will be an appreciation for the people that are fighting that battle until Christ comes again. That's one of those uh, unsung hero type of uh, battles that are being waged while the rest of us are doing other things. And I think they're critically important. Uh, They're waging that battle and it's almost appearing. And this is how the enemy works and we can't let him win. It almost appears like that battle is being lost in a lot of ways because the abortion is continuing. As you know, uh, it's a silent uh, massacre, a silent Holocaust occurring across our nation uh, and around the world. Uh, And yet there are great apologists 
who clearly lay out these kinds of uh, contradictions and hypocritical stances on the part of our culture, Gary, uh, relative to wanting to support it. I've always stated, and I better leave that alone, I, I have a problem with my Democratic friends who call themselves Christians who would actually hold to that kind of platform. I'm still waiting for a logical uh, argument on their part as to how they can uh, coexist within a policy framework that has at its center some of the fundamental uh, hostile positions against the scriptures from uh, abortion all the way up to uh, to gender reassignment and, and same-sex marriage and all that stuff, you know that we are engaged in a battle against. So I, I'm really struggling with my brothers and sisters that are holding on to a uh, a, a Democratic platform because the Democratic Party and liberals uh, in that in that ilk, there are good liberals and there are really troubled liberals, in my opinion, uh, who would uh, listen to you make that argument. OK, how are you going to, you know, kill a baby and it's all right. But if you kill the mother who is uh, who is with child, that becomes double murder. Now, they're not going to answer you. You know that they're not going to answer you right. And here's a question that I want to pose for you, Gary, just to think this through on a more theological level. And just maybe just because I got a pastor on the line, which I, I get very few of. Um, what do you think it is, man, that's going on in the heads of people who are following that trend? And they know that they can't answer you logically and rationally what do you think is going on in the heads of people like that what is the larger more nemesing issue going on when people are losing a sense of being rational so they're not looking for truth at that point Mm -hmm. they're they're willing to deny the truth and just to argue for the sake of winning their argument and um, i think every human being out there knows that once a child is conceived and let's just let's just give them the benefit of the doubt right once the heart is beating right once there's a viable human being with a heart beating. We all know that's a human being. Just because you can't see it because it's in the mother's womb, all of a sudden they say there's this um, legality of choice that a mother has a right to her own body. Well, listen, when you laid down with that man, you knew you could get pregnant. True. Once you get pregnant and that heart starts beating, it is now a life. True. And we are human beings. True. And so argue for the sake of arguing, they got to lay their head on their pillow at night and still deal with reality. And so they're not willing to. I mean, Paul said in First Timothy chapter 4, in the last days many shall depart from the faith, getting heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. And so, you know, Satan is ultimately behind it. He denies the truth and causes us to want to believe things that aren't real. Um, that's where I'm going. That's really where I'm going. I don't want to interrupt you because you actually, you entered into the trajectory of my concern for our nation. I'll be honest with you. I mean, you you already admitted that in our conscience, we're not going to get away with it. That's Romans two. Our conscience is going to get cleaned up on the last day and everybody will have to say we really knew. Uh, But, but, but in terms of between now and judgment day, there has to be some kind of force going on in our culture. You guys, that is reinforcing this insanity and culture of death. And I think you tapped into it, Gary, with 1 Timothy 4. It would be the same thing uh, with 2 Timothy 3. Um, In the last days, there shall come perilous time. Men shall become lovers of themselves and haters of God and haughty and high-minded and, you know, pleasure will be at the center of what they do, which means that they will be promoting a culture of death. Um, When that is the case, how should the Christian think about engaging people on a propositional or a rational level as we are called to do when we know we have this growing, escalating? It's a culture, man. It's a it's a it's a framework of thinking that can impact our kids if we are if we're not praying for them. I mean, what what should the believer be doing besides knowing the right answer? I think, you know, arguing is the wrong approach. Mm hmm. But simply stating the truth, okay. simply stating the truth, letting the truth be known, as Peter said, you know, giving an answer to everyone that asks you for the reason of hope that lies within you. So just <clears throat> stating the truth because they're either going to want to accept it or not. Right. What I found when I was an unbeliever as a young man, when whenever a Bible person came to me and shared truth, uh, I might argue to win in front of people. Right. Ultimately, that truth was stuck me in my heart, and I had to deal with it later by myself. Yep. Don't be into argumentation, but just state truth from the Word of God and let the Word of God do its work. 
I agree. I, I think that the way that I would frame it is that be persuaded of that truth yourself and know that that truth uh, has the capacity to actually nail them to the wall, as you are stating, uh, even though it doesn't appear like it while they are discussing um, uh, and, and even passionately, um, you know, debating with you. Uh, it's all right for us to debate. We need to be civil about it. We need to be you know, gracious about it. But we actually sometimes do have to press into the debate because often the stakes are high. I, I know you didn't mean uh, not having that kind of thing. But, yeah, the characteristic that that kind of frames what our culture is doing today in terms of hostile protesting, standing in front of each other's face, spitting on each other as you disagree. The believer is not called to that. And the area that I'm seeing with um, <clears throat> our, our brothers and sisters on the front line of, uh, of, of abortion with the exception of a few people who get, you know, out of character, is that they have been doing a good job, uh, a great job, in fact, over the decades of being civil, of being respectful, of being careful, of being gracious, of being loving, of being patient, and still being, um, uh, you know, propositionally vocal. And, and they need prayer for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Paul said in First Corinthians 2 that the man without the Spirit cannot understand the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to them. True. And so, you know, there's already this, uh, as you said earlier, uh, the wall around their mind, which is what a stronghold is. A stronghold True. is an enclosement where you can't get out and people can't get in. True. Uh, but as you said, with even Israel and Nehemiah, there were gates, right. gates where you legally come in. But you're not going to just ransack us and and try to take over what we're doing. Mm. But if you want to come in legally, then mm. come on in. Mm. 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 See, yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh... Uh, next month for for the body of Christ, uh, the need for us to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and, and, and for the community of the people of God to be sound in doctrine, to be ready to give that answer means that the walls around our mind have to be built up. The wrong walls around our heart have to be built up because the goal of the enemy is to infiltrate us and to and to conform us to the image of the world. Romans 12, 2 and 3 is a real battle today for the world and the church. I think you would agree with that. Oh, the transforming of the mind right. and uh, not conform to the image of the world. You know, this Friday night, and you were so gracious to come to our last men's breakfast. I thank you for that. That was an honor to me. But I enjoyed it. The, uh, the grit, the uh, the the um, oatmeal was excellent. <laughs> man, they cooked up all kinds of stuff. Man. Yeah, those brothers but are cool. Friday night, this Friday night, we're doing a free men's dinner. And uh, we got hot links and tri-tip and chicken and all kinds of crazy stuff. Cool. Uh, the, goal, the goal is 318 men. We had 300 men at our last event. But I'm going to be sharing about those kind of things that build up men and, and things in the world and the enemy brings to tear down men. And so... Um, what time? You know, this thing, um, doors open at 615 with uh, appetizers and dinner served at 7. I'll be speaking about 730. It's a great, great night, but uh, we're going to be addressing those things because, you know what, no matter what the world around us does, I mean, if you think of Paul and the early church, man, they were in a hostile environment in the Roman Empire. Absolutely. And they they didn't get political necessarily. They right. just kept living as believers and teaching and preaching the truth, as Paul said, from house to house and publicly. And, um, you know, it, it, it uh, infiltrated an ungodly society. Right now, an ungodly society is trying to infiltrate the church, but we got to continue pushing forward. I agree, and and uh, and 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 if if you brothers out there are um, free this Friday, and you're not at Grace Bible Church uh, sitting under me, uh, uh, being <laughs> being taught from the Book of Ephesians on, uh, on 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 the glory of God, get on over the, to Gary and uh, be exhorted as men. Uh, and, it's, and, it's, and there's plenty of room for us. I mean, I remember years ago, Gary, when I was running a, a company. Uh, a window washing company along with a janitorial company and I was building my business right um, uh, every now and then I look at some other brothers whoever they were uh, doing the same thing uh, in the same plaza or, or, or in the same community and I would go okay is that my competition uh, and then I looked around and I said I got a I got a thousand businesses here they ain't nowhere in the world I'm, I'm going to be able to clean all these windows by myself so I I certainly did except other guys doing the same thing that I did in order that the windows get clean and the windows of our heart need to be clean. The windows of our soul need to be clean. Uh, the windows of our spirit need to be clean because the world can toxify. It can obscure. It can, uh, it can uh, obstruct our vision. And we need to have our brothers, particularly
particularly our men. My heart aches for our men to be taught, to be taught the word of God, to be taught the glories of Christ and to be conformed to his image because we need to really be the men standing on the front line of the cause of the gospel. So you guys, y'all have heard the clarion call uh, by Pastor Gary Matara from Faith Fellowship. There you go. You have your choice. Listen, Gary, yeah, I- thank Thanks for the call, man. I'll chat with you soon. Yeah, I will. I'll pay for the next breakfast. Uh, it'll happen soon, too. Thanks for the call. Um, I got to take a hard break. I got to pay the bills. I'll talk to you later. Uh, we'll be right back. Hold on. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back one line open. If you are trying to get in, one 367 If you are trying to get in, we do have a line open there. Let me go to line two and talk with Vin, uh, Venus and Hayward. Venus, sorry, line number three. I'll get back to Deb. Venus on line number three and Hayward. Venus, are you there? I am here. That's so cool. You and Pastor Gary were talking, my former pastor. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. What We have been talking about uh, this culture of death. Have you been mm-hmm. listening? Yes, I came in probably about 20 minutes after the hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I made the statement that um, we're dealing with a spectrum of hostility against the Imago Day, whether it's a, a baby in the womb or whether it's um, our, our young girls being uh, brought into sex slavery or whether it's our young boys being accosted uh, on a number of spiritual levels with addictions and, and things like that, or whether it's uh, families struggling um, for unity or whether it's our, our, our senior members being attacked because they are in a, a vulnerable stage. Yeah, I like what you said. That'll make some people ponder. Mm-hmm. You said, you know, would you let your walls down in your own house? Right, you know? right. And that makes a lot of sense. I said, that's deep right there. Right, 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 right. You let your... mm-hmm. Now, now, but see, you know what? The reason I said that is because you have to have walls up for, for the vulnerable in our society, right? Yes. You do. Now, what happens to our seniors when they get older, they become vulnerable, don't they? Yes, um, I've experienced it, living it, watching it, observing it. You know, the system is very egregious and corrupt when it comes to our elderly and our defenseless. Right. Uh, and it's the court system. The court system, as you know, I've been advocating for this um, since my parents were in the system, that they don't care about our elderly. And all they want to do is warehouse them in such standard facilities this is a court system, probate court, family court, and it's happening right here in Alameda County. Right. And they want to um, spend down the estates and take their wealth. They don't want the generational wealth to move forward. Wow. You know, to future generations. <clears throat> wow. Happening. So, wow. thank God, you know, we've got a politician behind Supervisor Nate Miley just had the screening January 11th. Nate uh, Miley, um, Nate Miley, you guys. Yes. So you're on a line somewhere. You maybe you're moving or something, but you're going into a kind of uh, foggy mode. In that last, that okay. hit, there we go. We got to be clear. Gary was that way too. Okay. I don't know if he was on a speakerphone or what. I'm gonna tell him next time you call me, you got to talk direct because we want right, to hear right. you. Um, but yeah, you were talking about Nate Miley uh, being on the bandwagon for wanting to help. What is another silent attack on the Imago Day, in my opinion? Because I I know something of it as well with uh with the institutions uh with our with our with our uh, uh, pol- uh politics and, and legislation like yeah. you said rail railroading older people and i i didn't even think about the aspect of them taking uh taking the wealth from their homes and therefore impeding the capacity for it to be passed down that is diabolical yeah. Yep, that's what they're doing, and um, it's a good old boys club. They're all in collusion. The attorneys, you know, I'm not saying all attorneys sure, are bad. Or sure, all the system. Sure, but you can system. tell. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so you have the judges. Yep. And you have the attorneys, and you have the guardians, the legal guardians, and you have the conservators. Yep. And in my case, my mother got a really bad conservator, Michelle Tiernan. Wow. And I know why they hired her, because I remember that day in the courtroom where they said, oh, we have this person in mind. And what they want is the assets. They want the wealth. You're right. Wow. And it's almost like old-day slavery or something, or what used to happen, that this is another way to rob the people, right. to the people, right. to steal their wealth, right. and to... Um, 
be greedy and keep their wealth. Now, uh, like with abortion, um, where people are not facing it personally or don't have um, real substantial secondary interests, it becomes a battlefront that most people don't engage in. So is the matter of the elderly abuse, which is rampant across the nation. And I can imagine, uh, Venus, that it's actually rampant around the world. If if in a country like ours, where we have just a small semblance of a, a Judeo-Christian framework for government in the countries that don't have this, uh, you can imagine the utter... Uh, uh, deplorable conditions that elderly people are in as they are simply built exactly. and taken advantage of. Tell me uh, what's what's going on, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the movement and, and, and what can people uh, know about it uh, who might be interested in, in just either praying for it or, or even getting involved? What is there anything going on? Yes. Uh, one thing as advocates and victims and whoever else out there is part of the movement is that we have a film now, a documentary film. It's called The Guardian. Right. And it's, um, the filmmaker is Billy Mint, and he um, basically did an investigation in Las Vegas, Nevada, what they were doing to a retirement community in Clarks County, that's the area, and the court system was actually going in and legal, well, it's illegal, but they were doing it under the name of the law, mm-hmm. and basically taking elderly people out of their homes, telling them you have to come with us, giving them three choices, jail, you know, what is it, a boarding care facility, or either jail, basically. You come with us, or this happens to you. The adult children were coming, going, where are my parents? Right. Where are my parents? Right. And so there was one lady on our panel at Nate Miley, the supervisor, Nate Miley, the Julie Belshi, Mm -hmm. and she was the one in the film where she was fighting for her parents. She was a tough woman, tough Jewish woman. She wasn't having it. Right. And um, that's what's happening. They're bullying. They're bullying you, and if they can get away with it, which sometimes, a lot of times they are. Um, And so the Guardians, we're showing it. We're um, looking for people who are interested in hosting screenings. There's going to be one. March the 28th, and the supervisor, Richard Valier, is going to have one. I'm talking to Jenny, his assistant right now, and getting mm-hmm. that scheduled. Okay. And are just preparing and organizing it. Right. And we want more screening so people can see this movie, because people don't believe it when they see the film. They're just, oh, my goodness, this could not be happening. Yes, Alameda County. Yep. We're talking to public defenders. There's Brendan um, Wolf. He's the public defender. There's Nancy O'Malley, our DA. You know, they're doing investigations, but they're not going deep enough. Right. Deeper. Right. Criminal convictions. Right. (laughs) So, so, so what I'm loving about what you're saying and, you know, I, you know, you'll get, you'll get better at this when you call in more frequently. Um, you're doing fine. What I would want before we go to break Uh is are, are there contact numbers? Is there, um, a website, a, a place to go if people are right now uh, thinking about, you know what, I might need those resources. Um, or I might need to support it. Is there somewhere to go? March 28th is cool, but that's a good little ways out. You're going to have to call back yes. and uh, catch okay. me like a week before uh, the event so that people can be stimulated to catch it because we'll need to know where it's at, um, what the time is and things of that nature. So is there uh, any kind of uh, place to go for more information on elderly abuse, particularly here in the Bay Area? Yeah, so right now people can contact contact me. We're all kind of like dealing, you know, with uh, organizing it and structuring it. Okay. But they can call Shout Out Justice 510-415-2564. Yes, 415-2564. And yes, I will come prepared um, with more information. But when you're in the system, we're still not totally out of the probate court system, my family and I. Yeah. And um, it's it's like pray, a lot of prayer. I, there are some great scriptures that I take in the court, yeah. you know, and I share with people. Yeah. Um, and um, it's um, it's a lot. It's a lot, Pastor. Right, right. I just want right. to, God to use me to... Right. However, I'm supposed to get there. I'm going to have to talk to you more on the side of just organizing it and moving forward powerfully 
in Christ. Well, yeah, you got, it's, it's gonna you you you'll be all right. This is you you know you know you're beginning to pioneer. You've seen the 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 ship move, and people will mm-hmm. you know people are getting on board. It will occur. They this are. this is a calling for you, um, and and I've got the number. Shout out for justice, and we can catch up with Sister Venus at five one zero four one five two five six four. When you get when you get a, a you know a, a packet or a, 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 enough information sure. by by which people can. Uh, you know, get in contact with you. Just give that data to my secretary because that way she can post it when people call with the same kind of issue. That's what you have to do. Get it in the hands of administration and local churches and have that available. And you'll, you'll see that if, uh, if you, if you're patient and continue cultivating this issue, you're going to see, you're going to see, um, you're going to see some advance, be patient and be persistent Uh uh, and persevere, persevere. Yes, because let me just tell you this, Pastor Jesse, and the audience listening out there, like what happened recently is the same attorney that my mother, uh, my mother's conservator had, yeah. his name is Ruben he was just appointed commissioner to the Alameda County in Berkeley, California, to that court, the same room. Right. Now, he is already in the system of being an attorney and working with plenty of people in our community, but yet they place him. To me, it's a conflict of interest is what I'm saying. Of course, but that's 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 called nepotism uh, on, a, yeah. uh, on a good old boy's level. But that's been going on since the beginning of time, and it takes uh, yeah. people who have been hurt by the system to begin to do what I like the term, uh, shout for justice. Mm-hmm. I have to cry out and use mediums and different forms and just talk to people and, and let, let a movement start coming together to start dealing with these kinds of uh, mm-hmm. absolute atrocities and so we 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 got you girl we got you okay i'll talk to you later all right bless you i'm gonna take a break so we can pay some bills when i come back i'll get uh deb i'll get eddie and i'll get leonard deb eddie and leonard you guys hold on uh one line open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine so we've gone from uh you know recognizing the atrocities against our babies in the womb to recognizing the atrocities against our elderly and the bible is very clear honor your mother and your father rise up at the hoary head give respect to the elderly because in all likelihood, we'll be there one day. Going to take a break, pay some bills. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 